In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. All right, so how many of you have been in the working world long enough to remember this thing um, that happened, well, it started back in the 90s, and... Uh, late 90s, and it came to be known as the dot-com boom, um, or, uh, or maybe the dot-com bubble, if you look at it from a, uh, like a Wall Street point of view. Um, if you, you, now, for those of you who don't remember uh, this whole thing that happened, um, I don't know, you know, maybe because you were, you were playing Mario 64, or maybe you were trying to persuade your parents to spring for that new PlayStation 2. Uh, it wreaked a lot of havoc on a lot of it, it was it was a lot of fun until it wasn't and uh, and there's kind of an interesting the history of it is actually interesting um, and I was and you know I was even there in the middle of it and there were probably things going on that you, I didn't really you didn't perceive at the time but now we've we've looked back and so uh, there's actually um, there's a good article on this uh, as usual these types of things you can go to Wikipedia I have it here on my trusty iPad Pro. And, uh, and you can find out what happened. Um, but basically, um, there was a huge period of growth. Followed, you know, Tim Berners-Lee uh, famously invented the web browser in, uh, what was it, 93 or something like that. And somewhere between like 95 and 2000, all of a sudden we went from almost nobody having a computer to almost everybody having a computer. And there were all these companies that sprung up that created this whole new way of doing business where you don't actually have to make a profit. <laughs> and, and the investors bought into it. For a time, and then, um, and then there was a then there was a big crash. Uh, basically, it was uh, you know between ninety five and uh, two thousand was really the peak, and then, and then, and then it gave it all back, uh, financially speaking, uh, by by October you know two thousand and two, the fun was all over. Now, uh, yours truly was plugged in. Um, uh, I was I was I was right in the middle of all this at the time, and I can tell you that, uh, well, well, let me explain it this way. Um, you know, uh, when I was a kid, my my buddy across the street who I grew up with, when we were, I don't know, somewhere around 11 or 12 years old, we used to do these model rockets, right? I don't know, I, I guess they still have these, I don't know, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a rocket that's maybe 18 inches tall or 24 inches tall, it's got a Got a got a tube and and, and it had the engines that um, you know that like a little uh, cardboard cylinder that was filled with uh, yeah I guess it was basically like compressed gunpowder and you light the fuse and the rocket goes it like shoots up into the air and it shoots up very fast and it's very exciting and it goes up really high and then um, you know what happens it. It, it starts falling and and it falls and falls and falls and hopefully hopefully the little the little parachute you know pops out of the cone or whatever it was and hopefully that parachute pops out and it causes it to fall slowly so that it, it doesn't break into pieces when it hits the ground um, so during this point in time that was basically my career that was that's a, that's a pretty good metaphor the only exception being that my little parachute did not pop out so it was a rough time. Uh, for a lot of people, but in the middle of all that, uh, you know what? I'm just going to pause right there. I'm, I'm just going to leave you in suspense just for a minute because first, I have to tell you, uh, what do I have to tell you? Uh, oh, yeah, well, you're listening to the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for the oil and energy Industry and this particular episode and every particular episode of this show is brought to you by uh, our very good friends over there at Hewlett Packard Enterprise (HPE), uh, and and they are they are not only friends of OGGN but they are friends of the oil and gas industry and 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 the broader energy industry. But um, but they want to help this industry do better, and and they're working hard. They got a lot of great stuff going on over there um, with their various forms of, uh, of, 
modern computing infrastructure uh, uh, products and services that really help form all the underpinnings and the, the underlying foundation of all the great things that we want to be able to do in this in this quest for digital transformation, which we talk about all the time on the show. So have a look at uh, hpe.com and uh, find out what they're all about. In fact, uh, particularly you need to look at this thing. If you're, if you're in oil and gas and you're involved in edge computing, have a look at HPE GreenLake. Uh, the more I look at it, uh, the more impressed I am with, with what they're doing for edge computing. So enough of that. Uh, we're, oh, yeah, yeah, back to the show. All right. Oh, yeah, so this company, this, uh, this company that started up right in the middle of the whole, in 2001, in the middle of the whole dot-com craziness. Uh, I, the cracks were already beginning to show, or I don't know, maybe even the cracks were, maybe maybe the bricks were falling out at that point. I don't remember. But this company started up right in the middle of that, and not only did they survive, but they um, they grew, and they became a powerhouse, uh, uh, and the powerhouse that they are today. And uh, so I'm not going to tell the story, because you're about to hear that, but... I will say that I am lucky enough. Uh, well, I, you're lucky. You're lucky enough. This is all for you, folks. We do it all for you. You're lucky enough that I have the founder of Cyrus One on the show today. So, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm OGGM welcome to Dave Ferdman. And that does get us to our guest today. I'm sitting here in the uh, the remote configuration today. We are not we're not in Houston. We're not at the fabulous Canon, but we are um, we are online with Dave Ferdman from Cyrus One. Of course, the listeners already know that because they just heard me introduce you before that little snappy little musical interlude. But uh, Dave, thanks for uh, making time today. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and you're uh, so what you're you're in Austin, right? So you're if I remember correctly. Is that right? Or are you that is true. I, that I, is was, true. I was in Houston for 10 years and I've uh, been back in Austin for a few years. A few years. So, um, so the weather, we, we've had this like amazing, usually, usually Austin always wins with the weather, right? But, but, but this last week, I think we've both had like the amazing weather. So, uh, it's, it's been, it's been nice. Hard to stay inside, uh, over the last week. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So those of, so those people who only occasionally travel to Houston are wondering what in the world we're talking about. Um, so Dave is the, uh, founder of this, uh, of this company called Cyrus one, which has, uh, which is here in Houston. Um, we, you know, I've, I've known about Cyrus one for a long time. You've been around, um, uh, in the, and well, there's a whole history there and you tell it better than I do. So how about, uh, just let's start off with a little bit about like you and, and how you started the company and, and things like that. So thanks. It's, uh, it's been a long, it's been a long time back in 2001. Um, you know, we just come off of this, uh, crazy investment in technology we all called Y2K. Yeah. Um, I remember that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there was just this big, big, massive shift in technology. Um, the world had gone from, you know, using mainframe compu computers on uh, remotely to client server um, configurations in their campus. And, you know, with this big investment, it just looked like the world was heading back towards a network centric computing model, which today we call the cloud. Um, and those types of models were going to need resilient, you know, digital infrastructure. Um, and, you know, Houston, Texas really didn't have any data centers to support this massive, you know, energy sector. Uh, so uh, that was the the initial thought was start in Houston and build some resilient infrastructure that could protect uh, all of this new investment in technology um, and facilitate, um, you know, the growth and the evolution of the digital energy sector. Um, so I had a partner in town and we started the business like traditional entrepreneurs and, um, and it grew from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was... It's I remember I was, so I was, I was in the, um, in, in, in a different, in a different area, but kind of in the throes of all of that, uh, coming up the dot com boom and then Y2K. And, and it was a great time to be in consulting because people would spend money, you know, just, just to spend unbelievable amounts of money without, it wasn't hard to sell stuff back then, but, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of great innovation that happened in that time as well. And, um, I, I mean, 
uh, what, what did so what did you, so let's, so let's talk a little bit about how, how things looked at that point. Um, and, and you've been, you've been watching it now is particularly here since you're in, you know, the business is in Houston. So that means you're in energy, you're close to oil and gas. Like, how do you see things, uh, progressing from even before we started calling it digital transformation, right? Where, where, what did it look like then? And how do we get to where we are now? That's not a single question. We can just talk about that for the next. Sure. Sure. Well, we are now, um, you know, we're now, um, in 50 data centers in the U S and in Europe. So while our roots are definitely in Houston, we have evolved into, uh, you know, a company that is, um, kind of attacking the, the digital gateway markets, if you will, uh, to help, um, to help enable this entire this entire evolution and and where we are today is very very similar to where we were 20 years ago. There, there's there's another big shift, um, and clients are and companies are are probably still spending lots of money on consultants to help them figure out exactly what is best for them. You know, 20 years ago, everybody had all of their technology infrastructure on their campus in their building, using their local area networks to you know be able to sure, operate. Um, and, and, and we went from that kind of model to, you know, moving into a data center like Cyrus one across town using Metro fiber or a wide area network um, to help facilitate that um, interaction. Um, and now, you know, we're seeing this massive shift to the cloud, which is once again, a different step function in, um, in, in, in the infrastructure. And so, um, every every business is different, and just like every business was different twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, ten years ago, is that you know the companies and the enterprise evolved um, into uh, the 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 data centers. Um, we're we're at that same point today, and companies are trying to determine what is the most efficient and flexible solution that gives them yeah. the most adapt yeah, adaptability. Um, to 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 grow their business and right. and that's where we are at at yeah. the moment and you know companies like Cyrus One are, are still you know dead center in the middle of that conversation. Yeah. So it, it, I, you bring up a good point, um, or or I thought of a good point when when you were talking, which is which is um, there as you mentioned, people are kind of at the point of trying to decide. Okay, now what do we do uh, with respect to to, what, to what's on the on the table today? There are people that have people that have been around long enough have reason to be apprehensive or I mean, and I've I've heard this when talking to people where um, because some of what happened back then, um, Cyrus One was obviously uh, successful uh, with what, what you guys did in those early, early days of people getting out of their own data centers. But, um, and I know that you, you were, have, you have some, some, I don't know if there's actual trophies, but you have some at least conceptual trophies of being the first to do various things, but, but, um, but some were not successful. And I, and I personally was involved in, in a big project with a company, uh, with a pretty good size company. And, uh, I'm not going to say who it is and don't look on my LinkedIn profile cause it's not there, but, uh, that we tried to do a, a whole data set. Actually, we, we tried to just shift a piece of, of our stuff to a significant piece to a major provider at the time. And it was an absolute disaster. And by the time we finally got it done, which was, which cost took way longer and more money and all of that, we had, by that point, we made the decision that we need to bring it all back. And so there's some pain for some people, historical pain. And so as they come into these decisions today, um, you, like, like, do, do you see the, like, do you see the fear in their eyes when, when you start talking about, about these kinds of, uh, major shifts? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've seen the fear in people's eyes since the day I started the company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is critical infrastructure. This is your whole company, right? You know, we, we, we run on these platforms and our employees are either productive or not based on the uh, operational readiness of these platforms. So, um, these are big decisions. They're also long-term decisions. We sign long contracts, yeah, yeah. whether it be for equipment, whether it could be for real estate, whether it be for bandwidth, whether it be for software. So this is not, you know, these are not things to, uh, to be taken lightly. And, you know, to be honest with you, everybody's got a different experience. And so where you had yeah. a really bad experience, someone might've had uh, a much worse experience and somebody might've had a really great experience. And so, yeah. you know, you go into it and you try to, Know, approach it from a you know what is best for my organization 
Um, and, and there are lots of different options. I mean, I know it may appear as though it's a one size fits all world, but it's really mm-hmm. not. And there's, there's lots of, and I can talk about several of those, you know, as we, as we, you know, talk, talk throughout the conversation here, but they're big decisions. Everybody has different experiences and, you know, I think everybody's gotten better. It's like anything else, you know, the more, the more experience you have, the more you learn what you want to do and what you want to avoid. And, um, and so it, it all becomes really, really relevant, uh, when you're, when you're going into a process like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's the decision-making. I mean, um, people seem, well, I was about to say, I was about to say people seem like they're not overly skeptical anymore about the technology. Like when, when we first started talking about cloud, um, you know, which has been, I don't know, you could probably pinpoint the year better than I can, but I'm going to say when when it really got into the mainstream conversation, it's at least 10 years ago now, right? Probably 10 years ago. Um, but people, um, but, you know, at that time, people were very skeptical, especially oil and gas companies. Ah, we're never going to do that, right? Well, now we've come to the point where I think people don't seem so much skeptical about the technology anymore, but they are um, like, but the decision making about, you know, it's kind of like the cloud wars, right? You got, you got, besides, besides the different public providers, you also got all this talk about private and hybrid and what should we do? And you got this solution, you know, somebody building a solution over here for, for, uh, for edge computing in, in, in a, in a refinery or at a, on a drilling platform. And they're saying, you can't do everything in the cloud. You got to do some stuff here. And then, but then you got somebody on the other side going, you can do everything in the cloud. Um, what, it's the decision-making process and people worrying about making a decision that's going to maybe back them into a corner. If like, what if I make the wrong decision now and two years from now, I wish I had made the wrong thing. So like, how do you, how do you, when you're working with your customers, how do you guide them through that process? So, so, you know, we have several partners, you know, at the end of the day, we are Cyrus one is a real estate investment trust. So we, we are the operator of the data center. We build construction, we construct, we build, we secure, and we operate the data centers. But when it comes to making these decisions with respect to architecture, engineering, public cloud, private cloud, hybrid cloud, edge, non-edge, um, we've got several partners um, that, um, that 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 act as advisors and operators, even for. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight one of one of those partners today, um, HPE has a pro- a product or program called GreenLake. And, and they do just an, a fantastic job of getting on the front end and they help their clients with flexible architecture. They focus on the future so that the client can uh, really understand where the client is evolving. Um, they're super high touch and relationship focused. And what they do is they build the client a private hybrid environment that includes everything from a Cyrus One data center to HPE equipment. They actually bundle in the software. So if somebody is, you know, just hypothetically uh, a user of Oracle or SAP, um, you know, they work with that. And and what's really nice is it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. We've got many clients um, that we've collaboratively worked with HPE, their GreenLake program. And, you know, it just works really well because, you know, the problem is if I do everything on my own, Right. Um, I have a certain level of risk. And if I send everything to the public cloud, there might be certain applications that perform you know, better in a private cloud. Um, right. they, they take the guesswork. We have other, other partners that do these same things, but we do work very closely with this group. And we have yeah. several very, very large deployments. And the clients you know, get to kind of think about that solution as custom-tailored, uh, around everything, not just infrastructure, but software and operations. And so, you know, I'd say that this is where the enterprise is moving. Um, you know, the enterprise is always going to use components and have applications in the public cloud. Um, some of the enterprises are going to buy some colo. They might have some compliance related requirements and they're going to yeah. buy some colo. But more and more, what we're finding is, you know, the pendulum swung one way, 100% yeah. in source. It done swung, then it swung the other way. Um, you know, 100% cloud. And I think people are realizing that, you know, it really is an application-driven decision. And having a partner like the HPE GreenLake crew or some of our other partners, um, to have that expertise, um, you get to the right economic place, 
you get to the right functional and the enterprise has got enough work going on. You know, most people who are working in enterprise IT, you know, they're already driving the car at 90 miles an hour to try to yeah. change the, trying to change the tire while you're doing that. Uh, that's a tough, tough move. So to have a third party like that kind of help guide that process, right. um, we right. found to be very successful. And then from our perspective, you know, once again, we're the back end infrastructure. Um, what do we want? We want to give our clients the most dynamic, adaptable, scalable, and sustainable solution. Um, but we also want our client to feel like I'm not overbuying, I'm not underbuying. And, you know, and it's hard. It's hard because as these businesses change, there's times you need to scale down, there's times you need to scale yeah. up. Yeah. We want to be that partner, but I think sometimes you need extra help. And that's where a group like HPE really right. comes into play. And and, and and we've seen that, you know, back in the day when this whole digital energy, um, you know, evolution started, um, I remember, um, and it was, it was 2007, it was literally like right after the first iPhone came out and I visited a warehouse in Houston and I was absolutely shocked. Mine, it was mind numbing. The amount, yeah. the size of the warehouse and what was in it was not computers or servers. Yeah. Um, it was racks with pallets and on those pallets were thousands and thousands of backup tapes. Yeah. And I asked the operator, like, what is this? And they said, this is how data comes from the field, the seismic field. Right. To, they, 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 one pallet at a time, they drive it to, sure. uh, to, the, to the tower. An IT person sits there, loads up one backup tape at a time on, on, on premise so that the then geologist who's looking at whatever seismic data happened to be on that tape is working off the land, mm -hmm. right, in the building. And where we, that, was, that was after the first iPhone came out. Yeah, you know, we're yeah. talking about 2007. And I recall, you know, thinking to myself, wow, we've come a really, really long way in a very, very short period of time. And the energy sector is so automated today. Right. Um, that concept seems ancient. It, um, does. it really yeah. wasn't that long ago. Um, and so I think about all the things these companies have had to do to go from that dynamic to the wonderful world we live in today. And you're right. It's a lot of consultants. It's a lot of good decisions. It's a lot of bad decisions. And so going forward today, I think, you know, we, 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 we have all of that experience to help, uh, to help guide us. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay. So you made it. So there's a, I, I put some mental flags along the way and some of those things that you said. So, uh, yeah, it, it is funny. So I did actually did some work uh, some years ago in uh, with the the seismic interpretation packages and 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 kind of that whole process from seismic, um, you know, from shooting seismic through uh, imaging and processing interpretation, et cetera. And yeah, it was it's amazing to look now and see what people are able to do with with the, the computing capabilities now, with the network capabilities that we have and, and the right combination of all those things that you mentioned before, as far as what, what's being done, where, um, the reason why they used to do that was because, yeah, because those, those seismic interpretation packages, there was with the amount of data that they had to load and work with, there was no way that you could do it. Um, except really to have it either on, on your workstation in a lot of cases, you know, literally just on your workstation or, um, on, you know, very, very nearby on, on some sort of, uh, land storage or something like that. So the fact that we have, we have things like the OSDU right now that, um, and some of the new software tools, uh, I think reinforces your point that says, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of covered a lot of ground in just a few years. It's, it's, uh, it's impressive. Um, what, um, you, you did mention, so you, you touched on something that was, uh, you said sometimes you need to, you know, in this business, sometimes you need to scale up, sometimes you need to scale down. Um, I think there's, so my view, uh, oh, and by the way, I also meant, meant to say, I'm always happy to talk about HPE because, because they are the sponsor of this show. Um, and not just because they're the sponsor of the show, but um, they do a lot of stuff with OGGN uh, and, and other things that we do, and which just kind of shows th their... As a as a big tech company, they have a real commitment to this industry um, uh, and a desire to help 
the industry. That's why they do stuff with OGGN and um, which, you know, you don't always get all the time these days with, with, I'm just going to leave that there. You don't always, you don't always get that commitment from, from, from all the companies that are out there, but you mentioned scaling up and scaling down. And I think in oil and gas in particular, it's not just like, it's not like just in retail where, okay, like, like it's black Friday and we need to scale everything up because of the low that it's, it's, it, it, it follows the trends of the industry, but also, you know, there's new things being spun up and spun down in different parts of the world for different assets, different projects. I mean, it's a very complex sort of environment. It's not like it's not like, uh, you know, we just have like this massive set of users who are using, a, you know, a set of applications. So do, do you see that Um is that is it isn't is that part of the difficulty and as people are trying to make these decisions about where to do things it's 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 it is you I mean you just hit the nail on the head it is it is the hardest thing in in the energy sector is you know when we talk about scaling up and down we're talking about scaling up all kinds of different resources mm-hmm, it's not just mm-hmm. a data center it's not just the bandwidth it's not just servers it's not just you know all the components that go into the application and how they interface. And, you know, look what HPE has done. And, you know, I've seen it firsthand. Um, they have um, they have the ability to uh, help that customer scale up and scale down all of these interacting resources um, in a very efficient way. Um, it's it's kind of like the easy button. And, um, you know, if you're an, if an enterprise IT group and you're trying to do that on your own, the biggest challenge is you're going to you're going to have like 75 vendors and you're going to yeah. have to figure out a way to scale up and down yeah. these 75 vendors in real time. And, you know, I just consider that to be pretty much a, a, a situation where you can't do it. It's not possible. Yeah. If you don't right. lean on someone like HPE or one of their peers that, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, at the end of the day, you're going to either do one thing. You will overcommit you will undercommit. It's yeah. just one thing. If you undercommit, you hit a wall and then you're just, you know, you're a scramble mode. If you right. overcommit, you've got all these resources, you're spending money. Somebody internally is going to start, you know, yeah. kind of giving you a hard time because you, uh, you, 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 you didn't, uh, you didn't plan well. Right. So, you know, fundamentally they take all the guesswork out. They help you to avoid uh, one extreme or the other. Um, and, you know, from us, for a data center perspective, it's nice because, um, you know, our assets are 20 year assets, yeah. build buildings and bring generators and have chillers and have your security platforms. Um, you know, we, we need to work with, 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 um, you know, customers that are making big commitments as well. And so, um, it, it, it all goes hand in hand. Um, and that, that's not going to end, you know, as we continue to evolve and certain things will go, uh, and, and, you know, we're getting into this five, G now, where you're going to have machine-to-machine origination data. Um, mm-hmm. you know, nobody really knows what kind of burden that's going to put on all the overall infrastructure. So right. now we're the, the anxiety around, oh, this is coming. Uh, do I need more capacity? Is it going to be narrow bandwidth and uh, I'll need less capacity? Um, no, no, one, no one really knows yet because yeah. the wave hasn't hit. Um, so more and more, I think things, while we're learning more and becoming more experienced, I really think when it comes to digital infrastructure, you have to have a dynamic and scalable and adaptable solution. And you want sustainable too, because we all live in a world where sustainability is absolutely front center. Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. And fundamentally, you know, I don't think this Rubik's cube is getting you know easier. I think it's getting harder, and I think we need help, and I think we all need to work together. Um, but but it's individualized. You know, there there, what's good for one company would would not work for the next, and so. You know, it's it's um it's a deal by deal basis, uh, customer by customer, company by company uh, approach, and and that's how we've always had to, you know, fit out digital infrastructure. It's it's always been done that way. Yeah. It, so it's interesting you say that you know what works for one doesn't necessarily work for the next, um, which of course I can see that at a certain level of detail. But broadly, you know, I, I remember when I was. Um, in consulting and then with uh, some software companies and we would go in and talk to uh, to clients or prospects about, you know, whatever, whatever it was we thought that they ought to do that they probably weren't going to do unless we were there. Um, you know, a lot, the question that came across is particularly in oil and gas, the question always came across, well, what are other people like us doing? 
Um, and so this is an industry where part of, I guess, part of their instinctive method of, of de-risking is to try to find out what other people are doing and do something similar. Um, is, is there any of that to be, to kind of be gained from in, in this in, in, in kind of in this march forward or, um, or is it really as, as specialized as, you know, for each one as, as you described? Um, you know, I think everything is specialized. Um, but, uh, when it comes down to, uh, the, the, the nuts and bolts, like where the rubber meets the road, um, but strategically and architecturally, this industry, the oil and gas industry, and I can't compare it to every industry because I don't have sure. the, the deep, yeah. the deep, the deep experience in every other industry. But I will tell you, it is an incredibly collaborative group of people. And for several reasons, number one, a lot of the people who run the technology groups within these energy sectors, they all at some point work together. <laughs> they worked together yeah. when they were younger at one company and then they right. all moved along their careers. So there are deep relationships and trust mm -hmm. and comfort. And I think the industry is incredibly collaborative. And so, um, you know, while at the end of it, you know, when it comes down to it, I might need uh, an infrastructure designed for my business and you might need an infrastructure uh, that's different. You might have a much larger company. You might have an international exposure that I don't. From mm -hmm. an architecture and engineering perspective and from a just a overall approach, I find this group to be more collaborative than anyone would ever imagine. And it's because the relationships go back. And I think there's, although there's a lot of competition and there's, you know, I compete with you um, and you compete with me. I think at the end of the day, the, the, the IT, the digital infrastructure team, they know one thing. They need to, they need to succeed. There, there's no such yeah, thing as failure. Yeah. And so they collaborate, they communicate, they share ideas, they have working groups, they have networking groups. And, and I, I really think they work well together. And we've seen, um, We've seen the fiercest of competitors um, uh, actually uh, collaborate at a level no one would even imagine um, because success for them is you turn on your network and everything's working um, and yeah, anything yeah. short of that is failure. And so, you know, I think the collaboration in the energy sector is uh, more, more prolific than anybody might really realize. So that, that's a really interesting perspective. And I have to, um, I have to give you the award for saying something that no one has said yet so far. So very rarely on any of these podcasts does somebody come on and say something that no one else has ever said. And typically, uh, because typically the the what the industry is known for is being um, kind of secretive and not wanting to share information. Like I want to know what everybody else is doing, but I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. And um, and that's and and we've had a number of people comment over the last year or so on the show about how some of that is changing and they're beginning to open up just now and, and share, but, um, which is mostly, you know, in the, in some of the other disciplines, right? So it's interesting to think about, and you're right, particularly in the IT world in, in oil and gas. Yeah. They've all been, you know, um, especially with all the acquisitions, right. All the, all, all the mobile folks ended up at Exxon, all the, all the, you know, as all the different, uh, you know, people, People left. Uh, there was a whole bunch of people that left Halliburton and went to ConocoPhillips, and then they join up with other people who have come from other places. It's interesting. Uh, that's that's right. So that so that collaboration is 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 valuable now. I would guess, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's really important. And um, and once again, I don't think anybody's trading any you know confidential information. No, I think no. they're they're having conversations about. You know, like, for example, you talk about high performance computing, you're talking about denser and denser and denser, you know, clusters of, of, of compute, um, you know, being able to operate that in an efficient way is really hard. It may look easy. Just plug in a bunch of machines. It's not easy. It's not easy for, for, yeah. for, for the people um, in the IT group. It's not easy for the infrastructure. Um, and as that has evolved, um, I think there's been a lot of shared, you know, collaboration. Now, once again, that doesn't mean they're, they're sharing any trade secrets. I think they're just sharing ideas on how you might be able to be more efficient with high performance computing. Remate, you know, remote operations of, of midstream platforms. Um, that, that, that was something we saw first, I think, at Cyrus One back right. in the day. Um, and, and, and that was a new, a new concept. Wow, can we get our operators of, of these national midstream platforms 
to be in a hurricane proof building, like while there's a hurricane operating our pipelines um, in a remote, once one of those companies kind of started doing that, boy, everybody caught on. And the same with remote marketing and trading platforms, yeah, um, yeah. which didn't exist, um, you know, before we, 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 we set that up. So right. as the network grew, the people began to share ideas and, you know, the network is the enabler and, and, and we're a node on the network and right. that's like HPE are, are the, the providers that help you figure out where, where, where everything goes, how to pack, how to pack every bag and get it in the trunk, uh, if, yeah. if you will, and, and, and be efficient and, and, and everybody has to work together. So, you know, I don't think there's any trade secrets being, um, no, you know, no, but, but I, I think the collaboration is prolific and I really don't think. Um, when I think about the energy sector, I think it, about it as a very, very um, collaborative group of people. Yeah, no, that, that that's a great, um, that perspective all by itself, because uh, as you're saying that, I think about it and I go, ah, huh, you know what, you're right. And it's, um, and that's kind of a, I don't know, that's just a little bit of extra positive mojo as people are, are looking at how, um, how to make progress and how to navigate. It's good to hear things like that. The other thing is, and um, I think, so you've, you've commented on this, on the HPE thing a few times. And, um, and I always promise, I always promise the listeners that we're not going to have an infomercial. However, um, and this won't be one, but part of being, you said something important that I'm actually a big believer in, which is part of being successful, especially times like this, is you have to have somebody, some sort of third party partner, somebody on the outside who, who is spending more time than you are figuring out, yeah, what does 5G mean to my infrastructure and what are the trends and how are they shaping up and what's the right architecture? And like, you can't, like, if you take all that on internally, um, then uh, that's probably not the best recipe for success. Cause you, by the way, you already have your, whatever job you're already supposed to be doing internally. So, um, so it makes sense. Uh, so what you're describing about HPE and Green Lake. Uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, even if they weren't a sponsor, I would say, okay, that's like good sense. Like that's how I would do it. What, what is it? Um, what does it look like from your vantage point? So you're sitting there kind of in the kind of at the, at the back of the whole process. What, if I, if I wanted to pursue that approach, what does that look like? Like, what is my next, what is my next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months? What, what, like what happens? Is, do I buy a product and somebody sets it up? Like how, how does, how does that, how do you see that rolling out for people? You know, I mean, I hate to give you a generic answer, but, but it, it really is different for everybody. And I'll, I'll, give, you, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I walked into that one. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you an example. So I think the energy sector is more well positioned to deal with origination data because for the last five or six years or even longer, They've been dealing with lots of origination sensor data that have been coming out of the well or coming off the um, off the network to help yeah, them sure. understand remotely how things are performing. So right. the energy sector is kind of you know probably light years ahead of most other industries because they 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 do rely on remote sensor data. That's another um, remarkable statement that nobody ever says. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna I'm gonna record that as a soundbite and play it over and over again. With, they, with with respect to origination data, I really think they're used to. You know, dealing with real-time data, whether it's coming from offshore or an onshore or deep in the well, you know, they've got people that have a pretty good finger on the pulse of what's happening in a well. Yeah, but, sure. and, and that's not easy either. That's and, but they've been doing it a long time. So when you when you think about five G, which is where the, the question originated, and you think about origination data, um, whether it be five G or sensor based, however you think about it. The energy sector has been mess messing with this stuff for a long time. From right. And so they, they kind of probably have a better handle on, on what the infrastructure needs to look like to deal with lots of remote, remote data. Um, and, and so how to go about doing that? Um, you know, I have to tell you, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I know there are lots of firms. HPE might help with those types of thing. There's, mm -hmm. there's others, of course. Um, but my instinct is each group has some type of a third party relationship right. that helps them determine, you know, scope, um, architecture, um, and, 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 and how they're going to go about it. I just can't imagine companies would just have resident experts internally because these are jobs yeah. that are more project based. And, you know, unless you have, you know, that many unique projects, 
um, in this area would be to keep an FTE on payroll would be unusual, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but some people might do it that way. So I, I, I don't know. I can't recommend one firm or another. I can just tell you that, you know, um, people who are working for offshore um, are going to have a whole different level of sure, complexity yeah. than someone who's, you know, someone who's not the midstream market, you know, they've been dealing with sensor based and remote, you know, uh, origination data equally for a long time to keep a, a good finger on the pulse of operations of the midstream assets. And so how they go about it, um, it's going to be very different if you're a regional operator versus uh, an international operator. And so yeah, yeah. I hate to, I hate to have a generic non-answer. No, that actually, yeah, I, just, I just don't know where I, where I would point them. That answer was worth it just for the part. So you, you, so you hit on the soapbox on my soapbox that I usually on, on the other show on the oil and gas tech show, where I'm kind of always on this rant about, uh, about, um, how the oil and gas has been doing technology and innovation for a really, really long time. And, and they're really good at a lot of things. And it may not always be what the cool kids are doing right at that moment. Um, but the, 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 like the history and the heritage of innovation and technology is, is remarkable. So that so it's good to hear some it's good to hear somebody else say that uh, as well. Um, how about like so we're kind of getting into the window where I should start wrapping up. Um, any good so as you've sort of sat there from your vantage point as the data center, any good stories that you can share? Uh, you know, uh, you don't have to mention any names, but anything that says, you know, here's an example of somebody who did X, Y, and Z, and it went really well. And uh, understanding your so your disclaimer that it's different from everybody, notwithstanding, just some sort of uh, encouraging stories that and and the value that people have been able to get. Absolutely, we have you know lots and lots and lots of experiences. Um, you know, I can pick. I can pick. I can pick something early and that would be, you know, when somebody had to come out of their um, campus or environment that had been operating their technology for 30 years, yeah. terrified to get something even as far as a mile away, mm -hmm. um, let alone a backup or a production environment, which we moved to Dallas. Um, and, you know, I can tell you that I've had many different people, um, you know, call me in and look me in the eye and just say, tell, I'm not, I'm not negotiating this. I'm not debating this. Uh, but I need you to look me in the eye and tell me one thing. And I would say, what would you like me to tell you? And they would say, is this going to work? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like, you know, <laughs> when you think about it, um, what we've done is we've taken a massive step function in, in confidence and just being able to get to remote network centric computing, whether it be in a data center across town or be in the cloud across the world. And the, the people who ran these multi-billion dollar public companies right. um, had to make these decisions. Um, and while every picture and diagram and PowerPoint makes you um, look, look at it with confidence, at the, at the moment you're the one making that decision, the magnitude of the, of, of the crisis, if it doesn't work, hits you. And, and I had that conversation with more yeah. than 10 people. Right. Um, sure. And so, you know, that was the first evolution. Once people got comfortable with the fact that things were going to work, we right. then now people went to the cloud. And, 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 and there's lots of deployments on the cloud. And then there were still lots of deployments in a data center and still old, old legacy technology still in some compute rooms in their offices. Sure. Um, and so we do have examples right now in very, very modern day, i.e. last 12 months where very large energy companies have taken this hybrid private approach um, like, uh, like an HPE or one of their peers might have. Um, and they've successfully deployed a really dynamic, um, you know, international company type environment to uh, a place where they feel like they have uh, a fully scalable, dynamic, flexible and sustainable offering that they don't have to mess with because because the third party HP does that for them. And so we we usher that to fruition because it happens in our uh, in our buildings, in our data centers. 
but we get to watch it. We're like on the front row and we get to watch it. We don't participate yeah. in that level yeah. of application and network um, engineering and execution, but we, we get to watch it firsthand and we get to talk to the customer post post execution. And I'd say that, you know, that day is here um, and there's lots of choices. And I would, uh, when making big long-term decisions, I would, uh, I would educate myself on everything that's available today because yeah. the world has definitely evolved. And I think just like 20 years ago where we were looking at, you know, new architectures and new opportunities. Um, I think we're at that moment again. And, um, you know, from a data center perspective, we are committed to being uh, the best in the world. And, and, and we think we are um, when it comes to flexibility and sustainability and adaptability. And, um, and so, you know, we just need to know that our customers are going to be going to be um, able to make the right decisions for their business. And um, sometimes it's really helpful to have a third party uh, on your on your on your team if you're that if you're that head of uh, enterprise uh, technology. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Actually, that was a nice little. Uh, that was a nice wrap up speech there. Um, we, you know, I, and I, I laughed a little bit because I've I've been asked that question: Is, is this going to work? Um, because there are people who have experiences of things that were supposed to work and didn't, as we mentioned earlier. But the other question that I, I would get asked on the follow up on that is, have you seen it work? Have you, and then they would look at me and go, no, no, have you seen it work? And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because what I just heard you say is that you've, you have, in terms of what's happening today, you've seen, you know, you've seen success, you know what it looks like. You see people who are, who have, who have gotten there and, um, and a big part of the, of the prescription is all the, all the things that you just nicely said about, you know, learning, staying on top of it, work with a trusted third party, right? All of that. Um, but I think that it's helpful. It's, it's always better. So nobody likes to be on a death march, right? So, um, if you know that it's, that success is attainable, then it makes it, it makes it much more, um, it makes it much easier to work through all those decisions, you know, with people. So I think, I think we're living in a world today where we have better options and more options than we did three years ago. And, you know, three years ago we had better options and more success than, you know, than we had three years before that. Sure. And yeah. we are, um, we're getting smarter. Technology is getting more adaptable. Um, the third parties, um, you know, they're, they're getting, uh, better at, 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 at deploying and, uh, architecting at the customer level. Um, and, you know, look, we work with a lot of customers direct where they just come in, they sign the lease, um, they've got their teams and they augment with consultants. Um, like I said, that, that there's nothing wrong with that. I think it, it depends on how many internal resources you might have, but we have, there's lots of options out there right now. And yeah, I would yeah. just encourage anybody who's ready to make an investment and who's on the beginning of the planning side uh, before you spend too much time, you know, really evaluate what's out there because it could save you a lot of time and more importantly, a lot of money. And, um, and not just in the short term, in the long term, because yeah, as things yeah. change, you want something that'll adapt with you. You, you. you just, you need to have that. It's available today. Why, why wouldn't somebody um, engineer around, around that? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So, um, uh, that's a good, so that's a good place to wrap up. Obviously, um, you're, you're a fan of what HPE is doing when, in the green Lake solution. Uh, cause you know, if it didn't work, uh, it'd be no good for your business. Right. So, uh, so Cyrus won as, as the best, uh, data center provider in the world, um, by, uh, according to your, according to your story, you would not, you wouldn't want to risk it on, uh, somebody who's, uh, on a partner that's doing something that doesn't work. So, uh, so because HPE is a, is a sponsor of the show, uh, it's always nice to, uh, to shine a little light over there on what they're doing. But a lot of that, that's a lot of great, great advice, great guidance, um, uh, just in general. Um, and usually the last thing that I, I always ask, and I, and I apologize that I forgot to, I forgot to tell you this in advance. Usually I give people a chance to think about it, but is there any, so if people want to learn more, um, 
uh, about you, about what you're doing, about this topic in general, about, uh, in this case, about what I, we're going to put links to all the, to, to everything in the show notes, you know, like your website, your LinkedIn, GreenLink, but, but anything else like that you could point people at that says, you know, if you want to learn more, look here, any, any good events coming up, uh, you know, anything like that, good blogs, any good resources. You know, I'd say go to the links that you're going to provide and we are, um, that's where we list everything. And, you know, okay. unfortunately off the top of my head, I, I just yeah. don't know that list, <laughs> I but I know yeah. that we're really thoughtful about putting things up like that. And, um, um, you know, our goal, once again, we work collaboratively, although yes, technically we are your landlord, you know, we're, we don't, we don't, we don't operate like that. You know, we're, a, we're a very, very high touch trusted partner. We value relationships across the board. We have a really engaged workforce. And our goal is to help people just make good long-term decisions. So yep. um, all of all of those things would be accessible through the links that you'll provide. And I apologize, I just don't have any of that. No, that's okay. That's, okay. I, that's good. Well, it's good to know that it's good to know that uh, you have a website or whatever you know it, that we have we have those things out there. Sometimes, sometimes you know, you tell people to go to somebody's website, and uh, you know, especially if it's a big company, there's just it's just kind of hard to find what you're looking for. So. So we'll put all that in the show notes. Dave, thanks again for making time. I know you got uh, probably like 10 things right now that are waiting for you. So uh, so we'll wrap up. But uh, thanks again. I appreciate it. You bet, Michael. I enjoyed it. And uh, I appreciate uh, uh, spending time. All right. Well, there you go, folks. Good advice, lots of insights from Dave Ferdman, the founder of Cyrus One, the company that survived. And, uh, you know, he's been in it. Um, he's been in it for a long time. So uh, so listen up, as they say. All right, that is going to wrap it up for today. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. And uh, because obviously, if you weren't, then uh, we're, we're, we're doing this for nothing. So, uh, so lots of love to the audience and also... Um, thanks again to our sponsor, HPE, for making it all possible, at least financially making it all possible. You know, we, we here at OGGN do our part too, but we got to have, without their sponsorship, all this comes apart. So uh, thanks to those guys, and uh, thanks to my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who makes us sound fantastic. That's going to do it for today. Uh, just one, you know, one last thing. Remember, next time that you are reading one of those... Uh, think tank articles where they like to say, well, oil and gas is not making enough progress in digital transformation. That, uh, before you get too down and you start feeling too discouraged, that's when you need to run to your podcast app and uh, and just pull up any one of your favorite uh, Digital Doers episodes uh, because you know that this is where you can come to hear about how real people are getting digital done. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.